This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Tuesday, the worst day of the week. August 3rd of 2021. We can all agree on that, right? Can't that unify America? Tuesdays are terrible. But this Tuesday is going to be a whole lot of fun with your boy because he's all caffeinated. On today's edition of the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, we will talk with the Graz in the sports pit on his 61st birthday. Perhaps I will sing him a happy birthday, Marilyn Monroe style. I don't think anyone's going to want to hear that. Too bad. We will also take a look at what the Mariners were able to do last night. But I want to start off talking about what I saw at Seahawks training camp yesterday. I went out there, put on some sunscreen, SPF 70 on my arms, SPF 100 on my face. Because if you don't know, I am exceptionally pasty. And while it's early and the only things that should be newsworthy coming out of training camp are when guys are terrible, I like what I'm seeing out of the Seahawks offense thus far. Paul, you are such a homer. Maybe. But all of the things that you want to see out of an offense that has a new offensive coordinator, they're on display. You're also hearing good things. You hear a lot of good things. This is hype season, trope season, etc. But one of the big questions that I had about Shane Waldron going into this year is that there have been very few quarterbacks that are good in this league, who have all of a sudden seen, after a season of failure, a new offensive coordinator hire with zero previous experience as a coordinator, as a head coach, or having worked with said quarterback before. And Shane Waldron, that that is a guy who has not been a coordinator before. He has not been a head coach before. He has not been working behind the scenes with Russell Wilson before. So there are some real reasons as to why maybe things wouldn't work out so well. But I heard a good thing out of Gerald Everett yesterday, tight end for the Seahawks. He was asked about Shane Waldron as offensive coordinator and what he's bringing over from L.A. if he's similar to what he was with the Rams. Here was his answer. I think Shane's always, you know, had that responsibility in him. You know, even in L.A., he was more so the O.C. I mean, McVay, you know, he had the head coach duties, but Shane was the one in the box, you know, calling the plays and, you know, reading the defenses, so... In practice, I mean, I saw who he was, but, you know, now that he's here in Seattle with me, is he's definitely going to step into that role. Calling plays. That's something that you want out of an offensive coordinator, generally. And Pete Carroll also acknowledged, while Shane Waldron is new, he's not worrying about Waldron and a play-calling lack of experience. For the most part, we get so much work done, and these guys have been doing it their whole life. It doesn't mean that they haven't. And they haven't called stuff in, in their brain and haven't called stuff in scrimmages and games. Shane's called, called stuff before at, at their place, you know, at, at, in L.A. and uh, preseason for sure. And, and so he, he seems very comfortable with it. But, you know, you still got to get out there and you got to get in all the situations. And he hasn't been able to do that yet. Um, we'll do everything we can uh, to present the opportunities to get that done. But um, there'll still be some newness. You know, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how he can avoid that. It's a slow process installing any offense in training camp early on. Generally, especially before things get into full padded practices, it is an offense trying to figure itself out while defenses generally have the edge early on. And I don't know that that was necessarily the case with what we have seen in non-full pad practices, but it does feel like the Seahawks are slowly breaking into what they might be trying to do 
in 2021. And what I mean by that is you aren't seeing necessarily a whole lot of diversity with the offense. But I think this is actually a good thing. What was one of the things that the Seahawks offense struggled with last year? Russell Wilson struggled with last year. It was just taking advantage of things that were short and intermediate. And what we've seen, if you've been out there at camp, has been, I think, lightning quick plays. Like, they're just getting the ball out as quickly as possible. Short passes to tight ends, passes to the flats, slants, seam routes in the red zone. They're getting the ball out quick, and I don't know if it's a concerted effort to make Russell Wilson take a look at what's in front of him as opposed to, you know, doing the things that he is so good at doing, chucking it deep. And he did have a beautiful deep pass to Tyler Lockett, who made a nice diving catch on the right sideline early on in um, 11-on-11s, what they had yesterday. But it felt like Russ was just focusing on what's in front of him, and that's something that you need to see happen. And there were a couple of moments, too, where you saw – DJ Reed lined up against DK Metcalf. And I know that if this was an actual game that Russell Wilson would be looking DK Metcalf's way, there's a massive height discrepancy between the two. We're talking six inches almost. And there was a little bit of annoyance, it looked like, coming out of DK Metcalf running down the field. At one time having a clear step on DJ Reed, and Russ was just trying to get the ball out quickly. But I'm cool with that. Take the baby steps. Take what's in front of you first, because that will potentially open up things downfield for the Seahawks. And I don't think they're going to get away from you know throwing the ball down the field the way that they have for all these years. But they need to be better in the short range, and they need to find out ways to get the ball out more quickly. So I feel like you're seeing that. You're also seeing different concepts offensively, which I just love. I think that the jet sweep motion is great. I think it creates misdirection for defensive linemen, for linebackers, and just that split second of hesitation. For some quarterbacks, it's not going to be that much of a difference. For Russell Wilson, it makes all the difference in the world. So I liked seeing that incorporated into the offense. As far as other things that I saw at training camp, I don't want to make too much out of things when they're not fully padded. Colby Parkinson flashed yesterday. He looks huge. He got a lot of targets. He got a touchdown pass in the end zone in traffic. He had a long run after the catch over the middle of the field, too, where he looked a little bit like Rob Gronkowski in the open field, just running. And you're like, whoa, that guy's really big, but he's actually moving pretty fast. He is huge. And if they can find a way to get him to take a big leap forward this year, wow, that would be incredible. But uphill battle for him, Gerald Everett. Will Disley. So again, take everything that you hear about guys that aren't the primary receivers, players going into the year with a grain of salt. Because anyone can flash, especially right now where everyone's in shorts. One last thing. I I can't really figure out what's going on at cornerback. They're mixing and matching things. That means that they like the competition, I would imagine. And it's not like guys out there are are, are struggling. It's early. Again, you got to keep that in mind. Defenses are going to be ahead of the curve when it comes to how they go up against offenses. But You saw Demarius Randall, a guy who used to play cornerback back in the day for the Green Bay Packers, pick six Russell Wilson. You saw Akello Witherspoon on a corner blitz, basically Dikembe Mutombo, Geno Smith. Trey Flowers made a play. I mean, there was a trick play that Seattle was trying to run with, and Trey Flowers stuck with this guy the whole way, made a great play deflecting the ball up. Quandre Diggs came in for the interception. So some nice things that you're seeing out there. But today's the big day for me. This is the big day where you get to focus on what's going on, first off, with the linebackers that they have out there and also your defensive linemen because they're going to be finally fully padded. And I want to see what Daryl Taylor can do. I want to see if Robert Kimdiche or Alden Smith still have something left in the tank because those are your lottery tickets that you're hoping can potentially turn into what they used to be in Alden Smith or what they could have theoretically been in the case of Robert Kimdiche. 
that's what I've seen at training camp. We'll we'll have more observations tomorrow. I'm going. Uh, I checked that. Yeah, we'll have that tomorrow on uh, Danny and Gallant. I will be going out there again today. Looking very much forward to it. It's great to be back at training camp. Oh my goodness, I can't, I can't explain how excited I get being at practice. The football nerd in me just gets super, super, super pumped up. And not being able to do that to the same extent last year stunk. Drove me crazy. I mean, it didn't feel like we were really getting into football season. Then all of a sudden, you know, you had the first game. And I went to those scrimmages, but you're sitting in the press box. When you're on the field and you're seeing all this stuff happen and you're just a couple of feet away and you can see how big these guys are, how strong they are, it's really cool. So anyway, now that I've done, <laughs> now that I'm done geeking out, 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text slide. You can also tweet me at Galant says, I do want to touch on the Mariners a little bit. And my question for you is this. This is the question of the day. What Mariners bats are capable of a J.P. Crawford in June kind of month? Because I think they're going to need something like that the rest of the way if they actually want to keep themselves in playoff contention. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. And now it's 10-10. It's time for What's Trending with DJ Wilder. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Paying all those bills. <laughs> Gotta pay the bills. What's Gotta going on, DJ? Bills. Nothing much, Paul. Nothing much. I'm doing pretty good, especially because the Mariners got a win yesterday. They're 5-0 against the Rays this season, mm-hmm. which is wild because they're, you could argue, they're the best team in the American League right up there with the White Sox and the Red Sox. But, yeah, the Mariners won 8-2 over Tampa Bay thanks to Ty France uh, tapping into some power. From the stretch, just 3-1. Swung on and blasted the left field. This is crushed. How far is this going to go? Way back near the aisle way and left center field. Ty France just destroyed a ball. Demolished it. A solo home run. His 11th, his third hit of the ball game. And the Mariners add to the lead. 7-2 to as Ty France goes yard in a big, big way. To answer my own question that I just asked a moment ago, Ty France, I think, is capable of having a J.P. Crawford kind of month. And it's a matter of if he's going to be able to tap into that power that we saw yesterday. He went yard. He also hit a double. Three for five on the game. A lot of good in yesterday's victory. You had a nine-batter third inning, plating plating five runs. J.P. Crawford and Mitch Hanniger had two hits, as did Jake Fraley, who had a nice little web gem. And your whole outfield was outfielders. That hasn't happened in a while. It's always ideal. Yeah. Uh, bummer is shed long back on the injured yeah. list. That, that shin, man, I, don't, I, I feel for him. That keeps on being a pain. It's been two years of this now. Even Jared Kelnick had a hit yesterday. Then Chris Flexen on the mound, 113 pitches. That's the most thrown by a Mariner since Marco Gonzalez in 2019. Joe Smith, Keenan Middleton, guys you're not really expecting a whole lot out of in your bullpen. They came in two. Uh, and uh, third perfect innings of work. And six for 14 with runners in scoring position. You're 5-0 and against the Rays. You're 30-28 and against teams with plus 500 records. You should be feeling pretty good today. But they have to keep it up. You have to win, I would say, probably... I think you got to sweep this series, to be perfectly honest. If you want to keep yourself... If you want to keep yourself in the hunt, you got to. And for whatever reason, they've had Tampa Bay's number... Tampa Bay is one of those teams that you believe is very smart, but they do kind of operate with smoke and mirrors. You know that they don't just—they just are cheap, <laughs> or I could call them pores. I don't know. 
Whatever the case is, they don't have a lot of money to work with, and they kind of do everything on a bit of a shoestring budget. Well, it's really not even this just this season. It's been since like 2017. I think they're like 18 and six against them, the Mariners against the Rays. That was really when Kevin Cash took over, and the Rays have been contenders really, except for 2017. Uh, they were rebuilding that year, but they've been good for most of that stretch, and they have their. I don't know why. I can't explain. Why. I can't either, dude. I, I, when I went to high school, for those who don't know, I went to high school in St. Petersburg, Florida, 2003 through 2007, and they were so bad. Like they, it was the idea that they would ever be a capable team because no one would ever go to the games. You could get like five dollar tickets everywhere. The idea that they would actually be a good team, not just for one year, but for basically the last twelve years. Never I in a million years did I think that would happen. And yet, I mean, they've had multiple World Series appearances somehow. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, no one cares about that. Next. Okay, so Seahawks week one opponent, they are dropping like flies right now. Um, unfortunate news coming out of Indianapolis with Colts left guard Quentin Nelson, all pro left guard. He's getting foot surgery. It's the it's a similar procedure to Carson Wentz's, according to multiple NFL reports. He will also be out five to twelve weeks. He gets the kind of praise Aaron Donald gets as an offensive lineman. He is considered the de facto best in the game. I would tend to agree with those assessments. While I don't necessarily focus on offensive line when I'm breaking down a game, I wonder how many more guys are going to be on the shelf for Indianapolis for this game and unfortunate for Quentin Nelson but once again I will be that callous guy it is good news for the Seahawks and Eric Fisher is coming back from a torn Achilles so you talk about one of Indy's strengths it's their offensive line well two guys down their quarterback likely down what are they going to put in there Jacob Eason and he's going to be behind a couple of offensive linemen that are backups at best it's looking pretty good for the Seahawks in week one right now and again W put it on the board someone came at me yesterday oh that's a trash take Paul is it or are you just a coward it's the latter they're getting a win in that week and if I'm wrong well crap what what will I do this time I wore Rams horns do I have to neigh every five minutes or something like that Please don't tell me to take a horseshoe to the face. That wouldn't be cool. That would involve violence and a concussion. That is what's trending, everybody. Every single morning afternoon at 1010, brought to you by our friends at Kings Heating and Air. So, you got any questions about Seahawks training camp, I will take them. Try to answer them as best I can. The Graz is 61st birthday today. We're going to have him in the sports pit in just a couple of minutes. And of all the Mariners out there, who is most capable of having a J.P. Crawford kind of month because they're going to need it. This is a team that's going to need to overachieve the rest of the way if they're actually going to be hanging around in playoff contention. I'm realistic about the team. I know some of you guys, you have some hopes and dreams that you feel were crushed with the Kendall Graveman trade. Okay, if those hopes and dreams are to come true, you need some of these guys to play at a dreamy level. Who can do it? 206-421-3776 is how you call. 710-710, the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. Text line, it is time for you to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 10.15 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. And I got to remind you, we're going to do this at, what, 10.45 DJ Wilder behind the glass? Sure. Okay, cool. We're paying all the bills today. We want to send you, one of you, 
to the August 13th Mariners game. Call 206 what you'll do. We'll, we'll wait on for that. 1045 you do this. Sorry. I'm, I'm not good at reading, DJ Wilder. Um, we're going to send you to the August 13th Mariners game. There's going to be 90s music. There's going to be fireworks. It's against the Blue Jays. So it's actually, you know, this is a good game. It's a team that's going to be vying against you for playoff contention. So make sure that you're tuned in at 1045 for that. The guy that I think can do this for the Mariners is Ty France. And I think he's going to have to. Mitch Hanniger is also capable of this. After that, I think it gets a little bit dicey. And I I guess the, the big question I have right now is mainly one about whether or not I am living in a simulation when it comes to Jake Fraley. I am blown away by how good he's been since he came back to the team. His eye has been second to none, perhaps, all year long. I mean, the guy has an unbelievable view of the strike zone. But he's also hitting for contact. He's making great plays in the outfield. He has essentially been the Dylan Moore of 2020 for you. The guy that you're looking at and you're like, what? Oh, well, that's cool. But is he going to be able to tap into anything more than what he's doing right now? Hmm, I don't know about that. Some people might suggest Kyle Seeger as far as somebody who's capable of a J.P. Crawford kind of month. We all know he's just not that consistent a player. No matter how much we would like to see him that way and maybe see him next year as his contract expires, I look at him as a guy that, yeah, can give you the kind of production that he's been giving you over the last eight. He's been pretty good of late, and I think he's got runs uh, batted in in I think now eight straight games in the Mariners record for that is I think nine with Edgar Martinez, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But I, I don't think Seager's really gonna do anything more than two twenty, two thirty. You know, that's that's just generally what he is at this point. The power numbers have been great, but what more are you really gonna be able to squeeze out of him the rest of the way? And I, I'm really looking at this from a player's perspective. I the pitchers on this team, I, I feel like you got at the very least a decent nucleus for a team that's going to be hanging around. Marco Gonzalez has been pitching better. You got Yusei Kikuchi on the hill tonight. You've also got Logan Gilbert, who maybe has come back to earth a little bit of late. Still, though, that's a guy that I feel like right now you're looking at him as someone that might be a potential ace someday. And you got Chris Flexen, who's essentially your version of the Iron Stomach. I mean, my goodness, that guy, that guy can pitch forever. He just keeps going and going and going and going, Energizer Bunny style. I mean, 113 pitches last night. So I look at the pitching staff, and and I feel like I feel like everything's that's necessary is there. Yes, even with the Kendall Graveman trade. And I know some of you guys are are still hung up over that. I'm I'm moving on. The bats are what have to pick up. Abraham Toro had a nice little stretch to open things up, but was that was that something that we're going to see again, or is that just a you know a five game anomaly that also started off with a nice little stretch in, in Houston? I think he's capable of it, maybe, but I I you know I gotta I gotta see basically a couple of weeks worth of it before I'm going to start saying yeah he can have a JP Crawford June kind of month. Seven ten seven ten is how you jump into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Would be nice to get Kyle Lewis back in the lineup, writes a texter. His presence should bring confidence to the lineup. It's so weird to think that they have been doing all this without Kyle Lewis. Guys, they're unanimous American League Rookie of the Year last year. 
and we're looking at him. I, I, honestly, I've been so cynical. Maybe I shouldn't be. But, you know, some of you guys, some of you people, you're so skeptical and cynical. Someone texted it earlier today. Yeah, Jared Kellick's going to figure things out when we trade him. You know, you guys have me thinking that Kyle Lewis is maybe never going to play for the Mariners again. Like, that's how down in the dumps I've been over that injury. Because it's, you know, a couple of times that he's been dealing with a knee injury. He could be that big reinforcement down the stretch. I, I, I'm not counting on it. And honestly, you got to be honest with yourself here, too. Do you want to rush him back? Do you want to potentially re-aggravate things and getting him back? And I imagine for him, he knows what he wants to do. I bet he wants to come back in for the stretch run. I mean, last year they were sort of in the playoff race, even though they had a you know sub-500 record because they let 16 teams into the playoffs. This year, I mean, they're hanging around. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. What do we got here? Someone says that I should be stamped with an Iron House shoe. It would really jump out, though, on my face because my face is really pasty, and that burn mark wouldn't wouldn't look so good. might singe my eyebrows, perhaps part of my beard. Uh, text in 710-710. Paul, where do you put the Seahawks offensive line right now? Top 10, middle 10, or bottom 12? I'd say middle 10 right now. Look, we got to see it all in action. we got to see what it how it works in conjunction with the Waldron offense. I would think that if they're going to get things out as quickly as they have been at training camp practice, they're going to make that, that offensive line's job a whole lot easier, which is going to be big because you've got Aaron Donald and you've got J.J. Watt now in the division. Maybe you still have Chandler Jones. You've got Nick Bosa back. I feel like we're going to perhaps feel better about them than they are going into the year, but there's also an idea that Maybe they'll be better than they actually show on the field because they're in the NFC West, and the NFC West defensive line-wise is ridiculous. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. If you got a question for the Gras or some birthday wishes for him, it's his birthday, don't you know? Fire away. We'll continue this conversation about Mariners that we think could potentially take off down the stretch in the same way that we saw J.P. Crawford do it in June. Don't go anywhere. That's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. It's 10.30, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're gonna to fail. With Paul Gallant. And joining me right now in the sports pit, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Fine, I'll stop, DJ. Fine. Happy birthday, Graz. How you doing? Thanks, Paul. Doing great, buddy. How you doing? I, I was doing well. I was going to sing it to you like, I was Marilyn Monroe, and DJ just didn't want me to, and now I'm now I'm upset. But hope 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 you're having a great birthday. What's what's generally the go to that you do eating wise, food wise on your birthday? Uh, that's a good question. It, it's changed over the years. It used to be uh, it used to be a big, thick, juicy steak and mm. lots of alcohol. Uh, I had my uh, my morning oatmeal with my birthday candle on it today. I imagine it'll be a little a little tamer than that this year. Okay. Well, I hope that it's a lot of fun. And uh, last night was pretty fun for the Mariners, considering how yeah. bad the weekend was. You know, the Dare to Dream Express it goes through some challenging turns <laughs> on this track towards the end of the season. How where are you at right now? Because that series against the Rangers was embarrassing. But last night, I mean, there were so many good things that took place in last night's eight to two victory. Well, that was really good last night because I think, and I've always thought that the toughest way to lose 
is in the ninth inning with your closer blowing the save. I mean, you've done everything right until that point. You've, you've got it one. You give it to the guy with the one job to lock it down. It's like missing the missing the kick when the team has made a great drive. So I think those are the toughest games to overcome, and they'd overcome two of them and did uh, with the relative ease last night in Tampa. And, you know, I, I, I was one who wasn't crazy about their, their moves. I thought they could have done more at the break. But I've got to admit I was surprised at how many people were, were just going absolutely nuts after just – three games or four games since they since they made the made the trades. So, you know, they're still in a position to, to do interesting things this year. It'll be a little more surprising because of how guys have loaded up around them. But it was a great response yesterday. It was a great start by Chris Flexen, who, of all the acquisitions this year, you've got to say, he's been the best. I mean, he, he, he was the guy you're probably expecting the least from. And right now, he's your number one starter. Yeah, he wasn't even pitching in the majors last year, and here he is throwing 113 pitches, the most by any Mariners starter since 2019 when Marco Gonzalez was able to do it. So, yeah, nice performance by him. You got a really great performance out of Ty France. And the question I have, Gross, for the rest of the way, I feel like the Mariners, if they're going to actually do anything, they're going to need some really special performances, not just for a couple of games, but for maybe weeks, a month. Who's capable of that on this team? You know who's kind of jumping out? At he's, everyone's been watching him all year, but for some reason he's probably jumping out at me lately. Is Jake Fraley? Mm. He does a lot. I mean, he he is he is a guy who does does a great deal. I mean, you think of the line in Moneyball, the Greek god of walks, when he was referring to Kevin Euclid. But you know, Fraley does that. He gets on base. He plays good defense. He seems to get timely hits. He just strikes me as the kind of player. That that is on a good team that, that is featuring a good team. So, uh, you know, to, to, for him to be a guy who can be plugged in and, and still come up big, you know, that that's something that that's going to have value. If we've seen a, a nice boy after a rocky start, a nice uh, progression by Kelnick now, who's beginning to look like the player that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, you know, if he can if he can continue to show that and maybe step it up a little bit more, you know, you've got something there which will feel like an addition. It feel like you're adding to the roster, and then you're going to get Kyle Lewis, though it doesn't look like until September, uh, for another little boost there. So you've got some guys coming. You know, in the meantime, it's the guys that we all know about that have got to come up big, and, and guys that have done it all year. And that's Mitch Haniger, uh, who was who had a slump and, and rebounded really strongly. J.P. Crawford, same thing, a, a little slump at the plate, but has rebounded pretty strongly. And you know, Kyle Seager is having a good year too. I mean, just that that bunt for for uh, the win the other night was, was a <laughs> terrific play. So, you know, they've got they've got some interesting guys still left on this team, and and uh, you know, we'll see what they can do as they as they go through the gauntlet here in the next couple of weeks. DeGraw's with me in the sports pit. This is a question for you, Graz. You mentioned him just a moment ago. What do you do when Kyle Lewis comes back? Because someone probably has to sit. I don't know yeah. if it's Jake Fraley. I don't know if it's Jared Kalnick. It's not going to be Mitch Hanniger. And, yeah, you can definitely play with the designated hitter position a little bit and maybe rotate some of those guys into that spot, especially if Luis Torrens maybe cools down a little bit. But what do you do in that spot when you bring back Kyle Lewis? I think it's going to depend dramatically on where you're at. If you're, if you, let's say you, you've fallen completely out of the race and it, it's not going to happen. You, you just want to get Kyle Lewis at bats at that point. So, you know, it may be uh, Mitch Hanniger doesn't play as much it, being a veteran and you know what he can do if you're out of the race at that point. Otherwise, you're, you're exactly right. You're just going to have to rotate through and, you know, remembering that, that what Kyle Lewis was. Kyle Lewis has got to show that he is what he showed last year. And, and uh, you know, he, he was really, really great last year in September. 
if he can show that, they'll find they'll find some ways for him. But I think the where they where where they are in the standings will kind of present itself. If they're if they're in the race, if they've been playing really good, you know, Kyle Lewis is is not going to automatically get a lot of at bats. He'll, he'll he'll get a few at bats here and there because they're not going to want to mess up a good thing. So I think it depends really really a lot on on where they are in the standings at that point. They've matched up well with Tampa Bay to this point, mm-hmm. and this series upcoming, of course, it wraps up uh, early tomorrow afternoon. And I guess I don't want to look ahead because who knows what happens these next two games. But what do they have to finish at the end of this little upcoming road stretch that started in Texas? But you have two more games against the Tampa Bay Rays, and then you have four against the New York Yankees. What kind of record do you feel like they need to have coming out of it? Because they have a pretty difficult schedule the rest of the way. They do. They do. Um, You know, they, they win the series in Tampa, and if they could somehow take three out of four in New York... I think you're just as excited as you were before the trade deadline. Um, that's a tall task. I understand that, and the Yankees have added quite a bit since then in, in terms of in terms of power. So um, that, that's asking an awful lot. But if they do that, you know, I think you're, you're looking at a team that, that that will have a tremendous amount of confidence uh, going into the rest of the schedule, and um, you know, will, will be a lot of fun to watch. Now, I, I kind of like uh, I, I cringe a little bit like you because. You know, I look at that Yankee series as, boy, that that could be a bad one. I mean, that could be one that that uh, that sets you way back just because of how they've made their additions. But remember, the Mariners are still ahead of them in the standings. So I, I think you know, come up with a win. Uh, you know, win, win, if you if you win these two series after blowing the series in Texas, I think you feel like you're in pretty good shape. I'm feeling the same way on that front. So. This is an interesting text. I don't know if you've observed the same thing, but this person wishes, after wishing you happy birthday, Graz, I can't take it anymore. Something must be said. No disrespect, and I absolutely love this kid, but Abraham Toro looks like a corgi fielding balls, all upper with nubby lower. His nickname shall now be known as Torso or the Torso. Uh, Do you have any response to this person who also wishes you happy birthday? Torso's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. I mean, I, I think I think Paul, we should push that one. Torso. I think tor- Torso is perfect, and um, yeah, what a great great addition he's been. And and you know, you think about where he was at when you you were you were down there. I mean, mm-hmm. Houston is you were no no way you can get playing time yeah. in middle infield so on that team for the last three or four years. I mean, there's just no way. So you know, this guy might be seems to be, I should say, you know, one hell of a player. And uh, Torso is a perfect nickname. Second base is probably not his forte. He's he's going to replace Kyle Seager, isn't he? A third base. That, I think. Well, you tell me. You tell me. Is he, you think he's a better third? Yeah, is he, he's played more third base, obviously. Yeah, I don't know if he's a better. I mean, Kyle Seager's a great defensive third baseman. I, I I just feel like this might be the end, and that's maybe why they made this move. Is they are already looking at what's next at that position in the infield, and maybe somebody else has an option at second. Yeah, quite possibly. I, he, he probably obviously has played a lot more at third base than at second base, and they got enough guys uh, playing out of position in this team. So yeah, I would, I would, I would not be surprised if that was would be where he, where the torso winds up. <laughs> that is the great and powerful Graz, the torso. That's that's now Abraham Toro. Everybody, we're 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 making it happen here. Graz, have yourself a wonderful rest of your birthday, man. Thanks for joining. Okay, Paul. Talk to you Thursday. That is the Graz, everybody, in the sports pit. Up next, you're going to have a chance to win tickets to watch the Seattle Mariners against the Toronto Blue Jays on August 13th. We will get to you with that in just a moment. Plus, of all the Seattle Mariners down the stretch, who's actually capable of doing something incredible, special at the plate? Who can be J.P. Crawford in June? 
You get to answer that on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Move. Get to the phones because 206-421-3776. Caller number three or 866-979-3776 in one minute. If you're listening on the radio or in 30 seconds, if you're on the stream, you're going to win four tickets, four to the Mariners 90s fireworks night on August 13th against the Toronto Blue Jays. And we're giving away four packs of tickets in each show today. So stay tuned to 710 ESPN Seattle for your next chance to win. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can text in any question that you might have about what I've seen at Seahawks training camp. Also, who do you think is going to be able to put together a stretch like J.P. Crawford did in June? Because someone's going to need to do it. I think the answer is Ty France. I think he's capable of it. Maybe J.P. Crawford can do it again. Maybe Mitch Hanniger can do it again. But I feel like you want to look for somebody new to actually do it. And if Ty France can build off of what he did last night, or maybe it's Abraham Toro building off of what he put together his first week with the team. Maybe, just maybe, they will be hanging around a little bit longer than expected. Someone texted in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. The fact we're talking about the Mariners' playoff chances in August is miraculous in of itself. Graz can second. Sorry, Paul. You don't understand the past 20 years. No, I do, because you guys are so bitter. And I don't blame you. Believe me, I don't blame you. Don't, don't get mad at me for my observation. I'm just pointing out a fact here. Some people have some takes on the Kyle Seeger. Uh, this text, I feel like, is over the top. Uh, when Kyle Seeger is gone, I will cheer. I can't stand him. Why? I mean, gives you good fielding. 22 home runs thus far this year. Certainly overpaid. One of the only accurate things that Kevin Mather said during his boom-roasted session that he had at the Bellevue Rotary Club uh, Zoom call. But I don't think you're going to be... I don't think you're going to be happy to see Seager gone necessarily. We'll see if Abraham Toro can handle third base. I think he's the odds-on favorite to potentially slide into that spot. Uh, 7-10-7-10. Someone suggests Kyle Seager as that guy who can do it down the stretch. Another Jake Fraley. Fraley's been blowing my mind. I, it, I'm happy it's happening. I just, I just am perplexed, you know? Uh, another texter, Kyle Lewis is worth at least five wins throughout a full season. This is from Fred in Birch Bay. If he comes back, maybe that could be the guy. I'm not expecting much out of Kyle Lewis, and I, mainly because I just want them to be as careful as possible with him. Treat him with kid gloves, if you will. Uh, text in 710-710. These are about Seahawks TC. Paul, in your opinion, who are the starting five offensive linemen if the season started today? There's really not much possibility on this. Like It's, a, it's assuming health. You're going to have Dwayne Brown at left tackle. You're going to have Damian Lewis at left guard. You're going to have Ethan Posick, assuming he's healthy at center. Right now it's with Kyle Fuller because he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Right guard, Gabe Jackson. He had the day off yesterday. And right tackle, Brandon Shell. Depth after that is where I get a little concerned. But that's the offensive line. I don't think there's really a competition taking place there, and the only way that a competition can actually unfold is if somebody really disappoints or is injured. And I, I, I guess I just don't necessarily see that happening with the offensive line. Another text or any word on K.J. Wright? Eh, not yet. 
Training camp is long. Injuries happen. Maybe as the season gets closer and closer, there might be something on the table for K.J. Wright. Maybe if Daryl Taylor doesn't play particularly well at that strong side linebacker position, maybe they have some second thoughts. Today is really the first day at Seahawks training camp where you're going to be able to, I think, get a good feel for the linemen, the linebackers, because it's going to be full pads. I have a difficult time being able to say what's good and what isn't when these guys are basically wearing shells, you know, and, and they're going half speed too. When they go full speed, a lot easier to make judgments. But right now it's weird. It's essentially, yeah, you're seeing offensive linemen move and you're seeing defensive linemen move, and it's not like there's no contact whatsoever. But the thing that is a lot easier to pick up on early in training camp, especially before they actually go to pads, is what the wide receivers and the defensive backs are doing. So that's what I've been focusing on in the couple of times that I've gone out to training camp thus far. Ooh, interesting text. New Seahawks offense means the ball's coming out quicker. Does that mean Russell Wilson's interception total goes up this year? Well, it went up last year, and that was that was a shock. I think, ideally, getting the football out quickly means that you're going to be throwing high-percentage plays whether it's the flats or it's little hook routes. If you get the ball out exceptionally quickly, that should be not necessarily entirely eliminated, but relatively down. And I think a lot of Russell Wilson's picks came on throws where he, he, he was just chucking it. I mean, there were a couple of end, end zone interceptions that he threw over the course of this past season. They just weren't exactly the most thoughtful passes, if you will. Just a little bit careless. It was different to see from him. Another text, 710-710. Will you be in Wyman and Bob's tent sweat lodge while you're at training camp? I have not stepped into the sweat lodge. And no, I don't plan on it. However, I will also say it is so pleasant at training camp to me. Even though it is warm, yeah, and i got to put on sunscreen. I'm sorry. Like, it is really nice out there. There are so many worse places that you could be for training camp. The entirety of the Midwest, brutal this time of year. The Southwest, I would imagine that all the Cardinals and the teams that are down in that area are doing a lot of their stuff indoors. Houston, ew. Like it's hot as and humid at this point. Tampa Bay, not good. Especially now that Tom Brady's apparently throwing temper tantrums at practice and not letting everybody go inside after lightning strikes. It smells like a smells like an NFC championship game appearance again. You're hearing that from him already? He's angry. He's getting those guys, uh, I would imagine, um, focused. Because I could see that would happen afterwards. After after winning a Super Bowl when you got a young team, it's difficult, I think, to stay as engaged. But Brady's the absolute perfect person to have for them. All right, guys. uh, Big thanks for tuning in to today's edition of the Paul Galan Show. Big thanks to the Gras who stopped by in the sports pit. Congratulations to our listener who has won tickets to the Mariners game August 13th against the Toronto Blue Jays for 90s night. That will be happening every single hour the rest of the day. So make sure that you're tuned in to 710 ESPN Seattle for that and that you're tuned in to 710 ESPN Seattle for all things Seahawks training camp. Our coverage of training camp, of course, brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. DJ Wilder, great job behind the glass. I am really Paul Gallant. So long, farewell, have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday.